You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs of She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. Welcome back to the United States, Perry. We missed you. Um, too bad you had to come back to an awful Packers performance, arguably their worst of the entire season. Oh, do you think so? Uh, Is that how you you think it was their worst? I feel like because we had expectations, it made it worse. But I don't know if it was their worst. See, I guess I think it was their worst given the caliber of the opponent, like all the metrics, and we can talk about them maybe in more detail as we get into the show. But the fact that Tommy DeVito had been sacked like 12 times in the last two games, the defense couldn't get a sack. It's like the 31st ranked offense. None of their wide receivers had over like 350 yards all season. And then all of a sudden, Wandale Robinson looks like an all pro. Like it was just nuts. <laughs> At least with yeah. some of their other close losses, they felt like they were in it. This one, it just felt like you knew it was coming the whole time. Well, it was bad from the jump. Right. Like, it was just bad. So, okay. So I think you have to separate out like the offense from the defense, right? Because this was just, this, this was definitely the worst performance from a defensive perspective. I would agree with that. Um, the offense did, you know, what it needed to do, I think, to come back and win this game. Now it was obviously not a good offensive performance by any metrics. And I think we can get into that, but yeah, I mean, this was like, what, this is like a nobody quarterback and he was just running all over you all game. Like you could not finish a single sack. You just like zero, zero gap integrity, like no setting the edge, just like absolutely no rush. They have, I mean, you said it, 
it was just, it was so, it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing defensive performance. And like, I think all the listeners know how I feel about Joe Barry and his scheme (laughs) and his soft ass zone. And like, I think the defense lost them this game because the offense came back and ended up like going up and, you know, being up one is being up one, but it's being up one, you know, like you played so soft and you just let them march down the field and score a field goal at the end. I have no words anymore for this defense because last week, like I said, I think the defensive players came up and made big plays, right? In the last few weeks, the defense has been playing quote unquote well. And I think that's because the players have been making plays, right? Preston and Rashawn have been getting sacks. LVN got a sack, like Keyshawn Nixon came up with a huge interception, but then you're getting these players and like, it's not a knock, right? You're, you lose Quay Walker. You don't have Jair. You're losing your star players. Your star players who I think really cover for a terrible scheme. When your players are not making big plays, it's really exposing like just how bad this defense like really is at its like baseline at its foundation. And I don't want to hear they haven't given up that many points. I don't want to hear any of that. Like by DVOA, they are bottom of the league. They are like 28 now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is bad. That like if this team gets into the playoffs, it is because this offense figured it out. Like this defense is bad. And again, I don't think it's because of the players. I think the players actually like make up for the fact that the scheme is just so, so abysmal. And I'm so ready to move on from this like soft, prevent, terrible disgusting bullshit that we watched last night. Because again, if you go up against Patrick Mahomes, sure, but your inability to change the way you play week to week is the problem. You're going up against Tommy DeVito, like send the damn house. You couldn't get him down once. And again, it doesn't help that like your guys aren't tackling, right? Or that, I, like I said, there's no gap integrity. Like there are were execution issues for sure. I'm not excusing that, right? It was bad all around, but it starts and ends with what you're calling. <laughs> and the calls were bad. And I think the concern too, you know, we talked about what this Packers team could be in the playoffs, if they made the playoffs, what they had to do to get there. This was a Giants team that was averaging 13.3 points a game, and they put up 24 points. As it stands right now, the Cowboys are the second seed. The Packers would be the seventh seed. The Cowboys are first in the league in points for. They're averaging 32 points a game. And you're telling me that the the Packers are going to go to Dallas and somehow have a chance against that offense when the Giants... But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can't get it together against one of the worst offenses in football, then why even go? Like, what's the point of the playoffs? Like, (laughs) yes, 100%. It's just, it's a level of like playing down to your competition that I find really discouraging. And once again, you, I kind of, as I was watching last night, was saying to myself, okay. 
we expected the ups and downs. This was going to be a roller coaster season. We've had a huge high for the last month. So maybe this is just bringing us all back down to earth a little bit. And then I rewatched the game. And no, <laughs> no, no. This was bad from start to finish, from all phases. I mean, we got to talk about special team, like the penalty. This was the Packers self-inflicting wounds. This was an absolutely winnable game at every stage, at every point, at every quarter. And like, that's not to say that the Packers defense just to stick with that side of the ball didn't make some great stops at certain points, right? They did. But the situational defense, as we've said all season, you feel like a broken record, still remains atrocious. I mean, you didn't even force, and I'm focusing on the last drive because the last drive lost the game. And I just think it is the perfect microcosm of why I have such an issue with the Joe Barry defense, which is you gave up, you let them dink and dunk you. All they needed was a field goal because the two-point conversion didn't work, which, okay, you need a three and out. You need a sack. You need to push them backwards. No, five-yard, 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 run, 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 little dink and dunk the whole way. You don't even make them use a timeout. You let them get to the sideline, not a single contested catch, nothing, no aggression, nothing, just soft, soft, soft. They got downed into field goal range in like 50 seconds. And we've seen it time and time again. Like this is not the first time. And this isn't Justin Herbert. And this isn't Patrick Mahomes. And this isn't Dak Prescott. This is fucking Tommy DeVito. <laughs> like, oh, Marone. What are we doing? Yeah, it's it's just inexcusable the way that they've played the last couple weeks to regress that much. And, you know, we talked about it, Jacob and I talked about it in the preview show, like there were going to be ups and downs and it was impossible for this to be a Packers team that was going to beat the Lions, beat the Chiefs, just, you know, go on like a seven straight win streak into the playoffs. Like that was never going to happen. This was, they were going to hit a number of bumps and, you know, another bump was coming. But when you're playing an opponent like the Giants with the the record that they had, they had no mm-hmm. offense going into this game. Mm-hmm. Their offense was Saquon Barkley. This could have and should have been a statement kind of win for the Packers. And Jacob and I said that, like, this is the kind of team that you want to win, like, 31 to 14. Like, when you play down to, to an opponent like that, it, we said, like, this has the potential to get close and you don't want to let it get close because the Giants have nothing to lose. The Packers are in control of their own destiny, and they fumbled. You know, they just completely fumbled the bag at that point. And I think that's another kind of glaring concern, as we had said the last couple weeks. The Packers, you know, the easy things look easy, and the hard stuff is starting to look easy, and everything's clicking. And all of a sudden, the easy stuff looked really hard last night, and that's really concerning. And sure, you don't have Christian Watson, and sure, you don't have a couple of these pieces, but that's not enough to make up for going up against like the 30th ranked offense. They were the 31st offense in red zone and third downs and everything was just so easy for the giants. And I think that's the main concern here is because they didn't have a Justin Jefferson or a DJ Moore or a, you know, a Devonte Adams. There was nobody you had to worry about. And now you're going up against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin <clears throat> 
potentially Justin Jefferson if he's healthy, which he should be by the time they play. You know, like the opponents are going to get harder now. And you dropped the game that probably should have been the biggest layup left on the schedule. Well, they had one guy to worry about and they still gave up 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, I mean, this is what the fourth time this season that you're giving up 200 yards on the ground. And like, I'm sorry, that is inexcusable. I don't care who is on the other side. Like, once again, this happened against the – it happens against – what what bothers me the most is that it happens against teams where you want to force them to throw the ball. Like, you want to go into this game and sell out for the run because their only weapon is Saquon Barkley. You want to load the box. You want to stop Saquon. And you want to force Tommy DeVito to throw the ball. You watch the first quarter of that game. He's airmailing, guys. He couldn't – he didn't complete a pass until, like, halfway through the second quarter. And yet you are giving up yards on the ground. Why? For what? Prevent the deep shot? Tommy DeVito doesn't have a deep shot. Like, that's that's my thing is that I said it just before, is that there's no, like – changing of the game plan depending on who you're playing and so like you watch the Chiefs game and it's like and you just said it like they're gonna go to Dallas and you're thinking well maybe it works against Dallas because like that's a team that you do game plan but no 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 you can't you can't no I I I have no more excuses and I like I would love to hear from the players like honestly about how they're feeling because I hope they're embarrassed. Like I genuinely hope that they're embarrassed by the performance that they put on the field last night. They did not get a single sack. They did not get, they got like what, two quarterback hits. Mm -hmm. They gave up. They, the giants were incredibly efficient on third down. The only fumble, like the turnover that they got was a turf turnover. Like the Packers. It was self-inflicted. Yeah. The Packers did not, earn that turnover that was luck and there were just an incredible amount of other like self-inflicted wounds by the Packers and I I we obviously didn't record together but like if I had to give you my kind of like keys to this game it would have been don't beat yourselves like this is a perfect example of a game where you go in you play clean football you don't turn it over you don't make stupid mistakes you stop Saquon Barkley you don't give up 200 yards on the ground. You don't keep this close. You win this game handedly. You just said it. And they did all, they did all of the things to lose this game. They handed the Giants this game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, and, and part of that, you know, the Giants had like, I think they were last in the league in air yards per game. You know, I think they had like 115 passing yards per game or something going into this. And it just like, how do you hear those stats and and then see the product on the field that we saw? That's what's so confusing. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. I don't really think it, it makes a difference, but mm-hmm. it genuinely feels like we're kind of reverting back to the philosophy of this team, not knowing how to respond when they get punched in the mouth. Like they played so differently when they were leading against the chiefs the entire game. Yeah. And then they get down to an opponent of, you know, lesser value. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they don't know how to respond. And I think that's weird. It depends on what side of the ball I think you're referring to because I feel like the offense figured it out last night. Like, I really do think that they, the offense was really resilient last night. And like, I'm we haven't switched. Yeah. You're talking about the defense. Yeah. I I have no answers for the defense anymore, quite frankly. Like I really, really they I don't I don't know because I, I think at, at certain at a certain point, like it's a cultural thing. Mike Daniel said it on Twitter. hmm I did see that where he was like, I used to try to rile the guys up and people would be like, Why are you yelling? Um <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> just, I, sir, I, I just again like all of it and like I don't think it's like that much of a hot take at this point. Like we have to move on from this coordinator. We have to, like you have poured as an organization, countless resources into this side of the ball and your players make plays. But when you're not calling a good scheme, when you're not lighting a fire under their asses, like when they can't come back from being down, like you said, it go it harks back to the coach for me. Um before that's we my switch, answer. Yeah. Before we switch to the offense, I do just, you know, curious your thoughts. Matt LaFleur has been asked now a couple times in his presser today and yesterday about that final series from the defense. Uh-huh. And he basically said, like, look, we were in, you know, they were playing off, man was the call. Do you think there's like a miscommunication from LaFleur and Joe Barry? Do you think it's the players not executing what Joe Barry is telling them to do? Like, where do you think the issue is here? Do you think it's probably a collective, you know, each person is at stake in some of this, but it's kind of concerning when your head coach gets up on the podium and he's like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have no, no clue, but my hope is at this point, LaFleur is souring on it, right? Because that's all it I mean, your entire fan base and probably like the NFL world at large sees this defense for what it is. And the only person who can do anything about it is the one who I guess for the last few years has disagreed. So I'm waiting for Maddie to make the decision. And and the thing for me too is, and, and someone pointed this out on Twitter and I thought it was a very apt it's probably Andy Herman. It's just like 
it's been the same thing over and over and over again, right? It's been three years of the same thing. And like, if you listen to the show, we have been saying the same thing about this defense for years. And like the personnel has changed. Players have gotten better. They've coordinators added new, have changed. Or yeah, like, position coaches have changed. Position coaches, like they have added pieces. And the one thing that hasn't changed is the product on the field and the guy calling the shots. So it's just like, come on now. No, come on now. Like your offense is young and inexperienced, and they looked great the last the last month, and they struggled. A little bit in this first half, it was a really gross half of football. It's going to happen, but they came back, right? Like this offense came back. They figured it the fuck out. They came back and they scored. And all you needed to do was get a stop. And you couldn't do that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's bad. That's really, really, really bad. Um, And it's not like this defense was amazing, right? Like the Giants defense isn't great, but they have a high turnover differential. They rely on turnovers. So there were a lot of things that you knew going into this game. We said on the pre-show, Jacob and I like protecting the football is paramount, you know, and you, you mentioned it earlier, like the self-inflicted mistakes. So going into this, like the offense theoretically had the harder job, right? The defense was better than the offense. And somehow, and I thought the, I mean, we can talk about, we can switch to the offense at this point, but I thought the first maybe even half of football, I was like, what is going on? They don't look on the same rhythm. It it didn't feel like the offense we had seen the last couple weeks. But you said they figured it out. They figured out what worked. They got guys involved that needed to get involved. So it really comes down to me. And no phase played great, right? Like they're all getting at least C's or, or worse. Like these aren't great marks, but I don't think the offense is what lost the team this game. No. And again, like, do you wish that they had looked like a juggernaut and scored on every single drive and that it didn't matter for this defense? Yeah. But we have known all season that like, this is just like kind of what this offense was going to be. And Jordan did not have a great game. He looked really unsettled. I don't want to blame the weather, but like it was windy as hell and you could tell that he was struggling. And I don't really know why Matt like moved away from the run game because Dylan looked like he was barreling and doing just fine, but there, I just feel like this, like for me, the defense has no more grace period. Like I'm out of patience for them. Whereas like this offense gets a grace period. And again, even with a struggle, this like abysmal first half, they came back to take the lead, right? Like they did it. Um, And they show like a level of resiliency that they should be applauded for. Like they should have won this game coming back to like, and like, ref show again, everything possible to like not have them get that score. Malik Heath made an amazing play at the end of the game. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do think too, to your point about the Giants offense or defense rather is like Wink Martindale is a good defensive coordinator. Yeah. He's a very smart, you know, we talked a lot going to the Chiefs game about Steve Spagnolo and rightfully so, but like Wink Martindale has been around for a while and this Giants defense, while it may not be highly ranked, 
because they don't have like a ton of top talent. And I think a lot, a few of their guys are hurt. Like Wink's a very smart coordinator. And you could tell that what he was calling was confusing Jordan and like fair, like fair enough. You know, he was blitzing him. He was calling some like really confused and the O-line was playing terribly. They were not doing well against this Giants front. And like we've said a lot of this season that there have been a handful of pass rushers that have given them a really hard time. And Dexter Lawrence is absolutely one of those guys and Yvonne Thibodeau also oh a hundred percent and so again like they did not play their best they had penalties they had turnovers and they're gonna have to clean all that up they're missing a a bunch of their weapons not an excuse because they've had injuries all across the season but they figured it out um it's just uh it's just disappointing after watching them look so clean and so smooth the last couple of weeks and have this offense really click. Um I always say going into a game if Matt's scripted plays the first two drives don't work, we're in for a long night. Yeah, absolutely. And 100%. And so when you punt on the first two drives you kind of know it's it's going to be a long night and it's really it's this team still has a lot to work on and I think one of the biggest challenges right now that I'm seeing is as soon as they move backwards it's like a drive ender yep you know you get that false start on that first drive from Elton and it's like they can't overcome that and and they have to learn how to do that because it's it's going to happen and it was the beginning of this game was full of flags and it was almost like as soon as that first quarter like really wonky first quarter happened where they were moving backwards it's you said it like it was just a bit of a spiral um they have to be able to figure out how to overcome that I think one of like the glaring issues with Joe Barry and not to go back to this is the way that we talk about other coordinators, right? Steve Spagnuolo, Wink Martindale. They understand Jordan Love is a young quarterback. There are certain things we can do to rattle him that wouldn't rattle a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. And then it comes to Joe Barry, who's playing an undrafted quarterback, making his third start, having been sacked 12 times in two weeks. And he doesn't adjust for any of that. Like that's, I think the the glaring issue here is the inability to make a change. And I think that's kind of an indictment on the entire Packers organization, right? We've seen it, their inability to kind of make changes before it's too late. It was, you know, the Keyshawn Nixon story last year as a returner. And then all of a sudden he makes an all pro, like, I don't know what it is with them sticking to their guns so much. We talked about it with the offensive line earlier this year, and then they started an offensive line rotation. All of a sudden, they were getting better production from their O-line. Like, It's just kind of a weird self-inflicted thing here with the Packers that it feels like we keep going back to where once they figure out something that works, they they switch it, or they it takes them too long you know, to overcome some of these issues when they could have, you know, maybe put away a couple games earlier in the season, but just, yeah, I was really disappointed by the performance in the run game. Honestly, I know Aaron Jones is hurt. He's been hurt most of this season. 
that wasn't an excuse. This was like, I think they were giving up like 4.8 yards per carry all like going into this game. And the Packers got six first downs rushing like all game, 12 passing first downs, just the uneven distribution of where the ball was going and what plays were called was just so confusing against an opponent that if you had studied the way that you should have studied it, it felt like the answer key was right in front of you. I agree with you. I, I thought going into this game, like just run the ball. They have a bad, bad, like defense, uh, rushing defense. And like the one thing the giants do well is pass rush is blitzing you and like you cannot blitz if you're just running the ball consistently and like this is AJ Dillon's season and we lauded him for the first month of the season he is playing great football right now he is rumbling and rolling and he looked great when he had the ball in his hands and yet even still it's like he's get he's running back one now and so he's getting the Aaron Jones effect where he's like not <laughs> getting enough touches <laughs> Um, because like, even still they're like using Patrick Taylor and I'm not really sure why, like I no hate to Patrick Taylor, but like you were on your couch like two weeks ago. Like I'd rather put the ball in AJ Dillon's hands in this scenario and just run it. Right. Um, just run it. You're right. Like the answers were there all night and it just got a little too cute at certain points where I'm like, we don't need another jet sweep. We don't need another end around, like just run it, keep running it up the gut. Even on the last like game winning drive, I was like, you can just, you don't need to keep throwing the ball here. Like you can literally just run AJ Dillon. And again, I'm not blaming the loss on the offense, but if you're thinking about this whole like clock management scenario at the end of the game, you run the ball there and you score with 20 seconds left on the clock instead of a minute and 20 seconds left on the clock because you ran the ball, you probably win, you know? And, and again, like I'm not like butterfly effect, but I'm just thinking about like some of the play calling choices here. And I question, I I question them a little bit. I think it's hard to because, you know, we've talked about A.J. Dillon ad nauseum, good games, bad games, everything in between. I kind of feel like he just is who he is. Like, I don't think we're going to see the breakout kind of Titans performance that we saw from his rookie year in the snow. Like, he is probably a back that averages between 3.5 and 4 yards per carry. I don't think we're going to see a ton of, like, explosive runs out of him but I thought he did enough in that game to move chains. And I think he genuinely yeah. is a security blanket for Jordan love, mm-hmm. especially when he gets involved in the passing game. It's never a ton. They're like good for 10, 11 yards, but they almost always pick up a first down and it gives him a head of steam. Like if you want him to chug, give him the ball in space and let him build up some momentum and he will break through. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's tricky because his stats are never going to jump off the page. I don't think he's ever going to have like a 120 yard game on the ground or we're just like, Oh my God, he took command of the game. But if you just use him in the role that he has on this offense, I think you see more production. And I think I agree with you that it's just like, it's the same Aaron Jones effect where it feels like something finally starts working and they're like, all right, let's try a 17th end around. And it just, it's like, what are, what are we doing? Yeah. And I think in a game where like Jordan love for whatever reason, wasn't totally settled in wasn't necessarily feeling 
as comfortable as we've seen him be the last couple of weeks, like getting AJ Dillon rolling is a perfect way to have the offense, like just calm down a little bit, right? Like get some like great, like chunk yardage, get some first downs, take some time off the clock, get command back of this game. And again, I don't know if like it was just like because the O-line was not blocking well because that could have been part of it. Like how, you know, whatever it was that Matt felt like his game plan was, I don't I don't know the answers like I you would have to ask him. But I don't know. There was just there was something off from the get go. And again, like they came back out in the second half. They obviously looked a little bit better, but you're leaving this game too with Jaden Reed banged up with Dontavian Wicks banged up. Like you're starting to look ahead at this Bucks game thinking, Oh my, who is going to play? I mean, like literally who is, who is going to play in this game? Because now all of your weapons are hurt. And I do want to say, I mean, we've been very down, but like, it's been great to see Tucker craft. Yeah. Come into his own in the second half of the season. Like he had an amazing, amazing couch on a seam ball for like 40 something yards. That was great to see. And again, like I can't, Jordan had like not a great, he had a pretty bad pick, but those are going to happen. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel as poorly about this offense as I think maybe some fans do just because I was expecting some level of like roller coaster here with them. And I give a lot of credit to a Wink Martindale led defense. Um, And I think mostly because they did end up like kind of rallying and coming back. They like, they didn't, this side of the ball does not let themselves get punched in the mouth to, to the, your question earlier. And that is huge, especially for a super young offense and a young quarterback. Like he was slinging it in the fourth quarter, right? He was like, okay, we're going to do this now, <laughs> you know, and the celebration after Malik Heath's first career touchdown, like all of that, like if they had ended up winning, we would, I think be talking about this very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, they just ended up giving up a game-winning field goal to a big fat kicker. I I really like the pause there, but no, I agree. And I mean, I think that's been kind of the promising part of this whole season was we knew the offense was going to take some time to get rolling. We saw that obviously in their inability to put up twenty plus points for that long stretch, and we still technically haven't seen this offense at full strength, right? David Bakhtiari has been out. Aaron Jones, we don't know when he's coming back. Hopefully Sunday. Christian Watson banged up. Like this offense has had to make do. Luke Musgrave gets his, you know, his first career touchdown, lacerates his kidney, which is just horrific. Like yeah. for the ups and downs of this offense, I agree with you that the 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 compliments that Jordan Love should receive is that he has always kept his poise, regardless mm-hmm. of if he throws a pick. Like he's always calm and collected. And I think he has the ability to rally the troops. And we've seen the troops rallied a ton on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know where the disconnect is because it feels like there's such vocal leaders on defense. Like I, I personally at five, four would try to run through a wall if Rashawn Geary told me to. And I don't understand why it doesn't seem like it translates 
on defense the way that we talk about, you know, this resiliency on offense? I don't know either. Um, I think before we wrap, we should just touch on special teams. Because, oh my God. Just fucking fair catch the ball. Like, just. Because Keyshawn, buddy, like, I'm a fan of yours, but you had a very bad game. You had a bad game on defense and you had a bad game on special teams. And I know he always is looking to make a play. Like, I, I do, I appreciate that, but just know when to go down. Like, just. And, and like, there were certain things, though, too, that I. Like, I can't fault guys for. Like, the Rudy Ford penalty, I don't know what he's supposed to do there. Uh, yeah, You know, when, was... you're, when you're going full speed. Or, like, the blindside block that wasn't blind because they were staring at each other. Like, but in general, I just find this Packers special team to be so undisciplined. Yeah. And they brought in a guy who's supposed to be, like, some special teams guru, and they can't. They still can't fix the Packers special teams. I'm not sure what they're supposed to do about it, but they're the most penalized special teams unit in the league. And it impact like it heavily, heavily impacts a game, right? It, when you back up your offense, it could mean the difference between punting and a field goal, right? When you muff a a catch you're giving seven to the other team like that you know so it's just it's bad it's undisciplined and it's sloppy and it's bad missing field goals you know if you're if you're scoreboard watching those things are how you lose football games and if you make field goals like (laughs) that puts the Packers over the edge and I think that's what's frustrating too is you understand that there's going to be growing pains with a rookie kicker as there are at any position, but Mm -hmm. he had solidified the last couple weeks and we were like, okay. And now I think we're back to like the, you know, like when, and I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if I put the missed field goal on him, to be honest, because Jordan took a bad sack there. And if you throw the ball away, if you get any yardage there, it becomes not a 40, what was it, 45? Like 48, maybe 48. 45. Like, that's that's a tough kick. That's a tough kick in windy conditions. 48 versus – Jordan took a 10-yard sack on that play. So you're turning a 48-yard – a 38-yard kick into a 48-yard kick for your kicker. So I actually don't put that on Anders, like, at all. I, I guess I don't put it on him fully, but it's just going back to this like complimentary football that when they're playing, they just can't get out of their own way. Yeah. You know, I, like, I know. I look, look again, like they drafted a kicker pretty high because he had a big leg. So you of course expect him to make those kicks. Um, I just think in that situation, you put him in a bad situation. You put him that's in a bad We've lock. seen on a Jordan now a couple times, those bad sacks that affect field goals. And I think that's, you know, if you're going to critique aspects of his game, that would probably be the thing is learning when to just get rid of the football. Sure. A hundred percent. And he's gotten better at it over the course of the season. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, and those are just like things that you learn as you play. I mean, we watched Aaron Rodgers be like the king of throwing the ball away because he was so 
averse to turning it over. But Aaron Rodgers took bad sacks all the time in those situations. <laughs> all the time. No. So some players just have their thing. Um, I'm just ready to put this game behind us. Absolutely. That's a that's a great way to wrap up. We'll be back, obviously, later this week to preview, hopefully, a much better football game. Packers back at home hosting mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are now the leaders in the NFC South. They own the fourth seed in the playoffs as it stands. So going to be a really interesting last four weeks of the season with all of these six and seven teams vying for just a couple of wild card spots. But thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast or on all your social media channels at Pax, which she said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Please make sure that you are downloading the episode if you listen on the audio format. It helps out our listening numbers tremendously. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Please give us a like and make sure you subscribe to the channel if you don't already, because that helps us out too. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!